Hello, everybody, and welcome to It's Time for Affordable Housing. I'm your favorite host, LaShondra Graves, the apartment lady, founder of Apartment and Housing Rentals Foundation, owner of the Apartment Lady LLC. So as you know, we are in our third season. This is the 25th episode, and this season we're featuring questions from Quora.com, again, Quora.com, QU. O-R-A.com, Q-U-O-R-A.com. I have two spaces on Quora. One is eviction without an S and the housing market after COVID-19. So what I'm doing is I'm taking questions um, and reading off the answers for this episode. And the question I have today is a question that I asked myself. And that question is, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods? So we actually got 21 answers. And as you know, I will not be able to get to all of the answers, but I urge you um, and I implore you to go to Cora.com and follow my spaces, eviction without an S and the housing market after COVID-19. You do better if you subscribe to the spaces. They're really cheap. Uh, eviction without an S, it's on sale, $2.99 um, a month or $25 for the entire year. Uh, the housing market after COVID-19 will be going on sale in April um, with the same prices, $2.99 a month or $25 a year. But now it's currently $4.99 a month and $50 for the entire year. So what you get when you subscribe to the spaces is you get to read all of the answers um, for the questions. You get to look through everything that's in these spaces. When you follow the spaces, then you'll get to see everything, but you may not get all of the answers, like this question that we're um, basing this episode off. Why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods? So we do have 21 answers, but as a follower, you may be able to read about five answers, but as a subscriber, you'll be able to read all 21 answers. Okay, so let's get started. Um, You guys know I have to start with prayer because I can do all things through Christ and I can't do anything without him, okay? So here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now with praise and thanksgiving, saying thank you for your grace, mercy, love, understanding, wisdom, healing, provision, knowledge in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, before I come before your throne, I ask that you forgive my sins and the sins of the souls that's under the sound of my voice, even until this, up until this very second. You said, if I put my plans before you, you will establish them. Here I am, Father. My plans is to give out valuable information. My plan is to give that information out, whereas everyone would understand it. So I want to meet people where they are. I want to chop it up. And I want to give it to them in bite-sized pieces so that they can digest this information. These are my plans. You said, if I seek ye first your kingdom and your righteousness, that all these plans will be added unto me. So I'm seeking you in prayer. And I'm believing that everything I said is working to be fulfilled right now. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, um, I'll remind you of the question. The question is, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods, okay? And so the first answer 
um, came from a residential investor and he said, if you have ever seen what poor tenants do to rental properties, you would already know. No respect for landlords' properties as they don't own it. Well, you guys, honestly, this answer got seven upvotes and it only had 62 views, but seven people, you know, upvoted that answer because uh, it's not only poor people that tear up property. You guys, I just have to say people tear up properties and it happens because they don't own the properties or or they may not know how to rent. I mean, you got to think about it. When you become an adult um, or, you know, 18 or whatever, and it's time for you to go out and start living on your own and start making your own money, the first thing you need to do is try to make enough money to afford shelter because it's hard to work when you don't have shelter. Shelter is a necessity. And so they go out and rent. Some people rent for 30, 40 years without even knowing their tenants' rights. That's why an Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation, it's a requirement that when people come in as a member and want to get into one of our programs, they have to take the tenants' rights classes that I created um, for every single state. Because I realized, I've been doing this for seven years, so I realized that tenants don't know their rights they don't even know how to be a tenant you know I joke about this all the time I mean when I got my first apartment no one told me oh before you sign that lease you better learn your tenants rights and so my first time out I made a whole bunch of mistakes just like other tenants and and that's what's going on I mean people don't really know how to rent and it's not about being illiterate it's about being ignorant of it. And you guys have to understand, I'm not calling people ignorant as stupid or illiterate. Ignorance means you don't know. Okay? All right. I'll remind you of the question, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods? The next answer is because people are willing to pay high rents in these neighborhoods. That's how rent works. The landlord can charge what someone will pay. If the rent is too high, no one will rent and the landlord will have uh, to lower his price. If the rent is too low, good tenants won't rent because they'll assume there's something wrong with the place. The purpose of a rental property is to keep it rented so there is an income flow. And this question, this answer actually got 366 views and five upvotes. So, she said people are willing to pay high rents in those neighborhoods. Now, you guys have to understand why the landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods. She said, she's a real estate transaction coordinator. She said people are willing to pay high rents in those neighborhoods, and that's how rent works. I mean, the landlord will only charge what people pay. If the rent is too high, no one will rent. The landlord will have to lower their prices. If the rent is too low, good tenants won't rent because they'll assume something's wrong with the place. Well, that's not, that's true, but I disagree with, with it to an extent, okay? People are willing to pay high rent in those neighborhoods. The only reason why people are willing to pay high rents in those neighborhoods is because that's the only thing that's available. So you have to understand, 
if someone already lived in the neighborhood and it's a predominantly poor neighborhood, most of the neighborhoods didn't start out poor. I'm just letting you know that now. They didn't start out poor. And when certain people started moving into certain neighborhoods, um, certain people started moving out, right? So, I mean, you live in this neighborhood, you've been here 30 years, you know the neighborhood, your family is there, your friends are there, you went to school there. You're gonna pay, you're gonna pay the rent that's available. And it's not fair that the rent that's available really rates you of all of your income. So I'm saying, if you're making minimum wage, let's say you're making $2,500 a month and a landlord comes in and charges $1,400 for a two bedroom apartment, yeah, that's about 60% of your income. They're, they're not, they're not going to just go away from the neighborhood because these landlords come in and charge these absorbent amounts of rent. Okay. I think there should be laws that prevent that from happening. Now I'm sure some of these answers will say, um, what I'm thinking and, but I'll say it now. I mean, most times when they, when the landlord come in, they're a new landlord and they want to make a difference and, their dreams are shot because they come in, they want to give uh, the tenants or the residents a really, really nice place at a really decent price, and then their properties get destroyed, just as the other landlord said in the previous answer. Um, their properties get destroyed, the tenants stop paying rent. I mean, all of these, these factors, they come in and into play, and so I, I get it to a certain degree, but it's not fair. I just feel like don't rape the people in a particular neighborhood and make it so that they will get evicted because they can't even afford the rent, but they're gonna rent it because that's the only thing that's available in that neighborhood. So we'll go to the next answer. Um, and the question is, I'll remind you of the question, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods? Um, the next answer came from an owner. He said, depends on what you consider high. A landlord must make a profit. If it is a business, it is a business, not a free government program. The last two years, most lost money due to the government. will never make it back up. So consider that they must make up some to break to even break even. Also note that 30% of rentals were lost, supply and demand. You know, um, and this answer actually got five upvotes, 54 views. Depend on what you consider high. Yes, you guys, the rent the rentals have went up um, as 25% uh, or more across the United States. And and because of these um, eviction moratoriums and these landlords, they lost money and landlords even lost property during these two years. Yeah. And then the inflation for all that money that was spent and given out in the CARES Act and, and the HEROES Act at one time. You guys, yeah. Yeah, the rental prices, so they were already high in these poor neighborhoods. 
um, where they were too high for the residents of predominantly poor neighborhoods. But then now they're, the landlords are trying to recover, recoup the money that they lost uh, during these eviction moratoriums in 2020 and 2021. And so now across the board, 25%, right? It's not fair. It, it's not fair. I don't care how you spend it. It's not fair. And how you spend it. I'm sorry. How you spend it. It's not fair because I'll say this again. The people in these neighborhoods are being raped. I mean, are you kidding me? Financially raped. They're spending over 60% of their income on rent. And it's not fair. It's not fair. I feel like if you don't want to charge... an affordable price uh, based off the median income in a neighborhood then don't buy there because the people that usually buy in these neighborhoods they get the property cheap okay you are you have all this data available to you you can see okay the median credit score 560 the median income 25,000 a year I mean come on the, the data is there I feel like if you don't want to charge, if you don't want to charge, you know, affordable rent, you're already getting the, getting the properties for cheap. I mean, especially with these opportunity zones, because most of the people that take advantage of the, the opportunity zones and these cheap um, prices in these neighborhoods are people that have the money to do it. I feel like if they didn't have, if they stayed out of those neighborhoods, then other people that maybe live in the neighborhood, uh, things could kind of change and um, the renters could become owners because then they'd be able to get the properties. But as soon as a property uh, goes on sale or um, goes on a discount for tax breaks or whatever, then the deep pocket investors snatch it right up. So, you know. Okay, the next answer is because the neighborhood destroys the building. After you see tenants ripping out copper piping in their unit to sell them, um, their unit to sell damn wine that they don't have running water, you stop sympathizing with them. What would we do? Okay, you guys. You guys, I'm reading. You You know, I'm reading, okay? Because I'll start this all over. Because the neighborhood destroys the building. After you see tenants ripping out copper piping in their unit to sell them wine that they don't have running water, you stop sympathizing with them. What we do is charge a high base rent with discounts applicable to the next month if the tenant doesn't damage the unit. Sadly, less than half the tenants consistently earn that discount. Well, um, I said this, you guys, before I said, ah, you'll hear some of these answers where the landlords are saying, um, and they've had bad experiences where they're saying they're tearing up the properties anyway, so they want to try to recoup their money. And that's sad. That's sad. That's why 
um, Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation, like I said, we know that the tenants really don't know how to be tenants, right? And predominantly poor neighborhoods, they have a lack of resources. Now, let me tell you, one of the reasons why they have a lack of resources is because the landlords that come and the investors that come and snatch up all the properties in that neighborhood, they don't live in that neighborhood. So they make the money off that neighborhood, raping that neighborhood, and then take all of their money to another neighborhood. So they're taking the resources out of that neighborhood, that buying power out of that neighborhood. And I'll say again, I think that there should be some regulations on that. And I'll talk about what type of regulations could be implemented uh, to prevent this from happening, okay? To prevent the neighborhood from being raped of its resources. And then now the neighborhood is dirty and the streets are not clean and the lights don't work as much and all of the, the residents that's there, you know, are starving and poor and then getting raped um, of 60% of the money they bring in for their income. Okay, the next answer and the question is, uh, I will remind you of the question, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods? So the next answer is, uh, many reasons. You see, we don't just charge the rent and forget about it. We have to pay higher insurance because of the hood risk imposed on us by insurance companies. We have to hire security because of the hoodlands, gangs, etc. So he was trying to say hoodlands, gangs, etc. Who think they own my property. I I can keep going. Unauthorized occupants because he or she is on some kind of programs and that will uh, pay rent for two and five. Oh gosh. What is he saying? Oh my guys, 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 I'm reading. Okay. Let me do this again. Cause I like what he's saying. And I really want to talk about that. He's saying many reasons. You see, we don't just charge rent and forget about it. We have to pay higher insurance because of hood risk imposed on us by insurance company we have to hire security because of the hoodlums gangs etc who think they own my property i can keep going unauthorized occupants because he or she is on some uh, kind of program that will pay rent for two and five use and abuse my property etc good luck okay so basically this is he know what he's talking about I'm, you know, hey, I, he knows what he's talking about, right? Um, he's saying that the gangs, they they stand around in the building and they, I mean, I've seen it where, you know, they don't even let the property owner come into the building. So he's saying, like, I have to hire security because they think that they own my property. The insurance companies will not um, insure my property at a lower cost because of the risk that's imposed on us by, uh, because of the neighborhood and so on. And then he's saying 
unoccupied occupants. So when he's saying some type of programs that will pay rent for two, but five use and abuse the property, he's probably talking about Section 8 and so on. So yeah, he's right. He's right, you guys. And I'm not going to say that it's the investors, it's completely, it's all the investors and landlords fault because I know I was a foster child. I was, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. And one point I lived in a project, you know, um, that's a subsidized housing. So I know what he's saying, but okay. What I'm saying is the people need to be exposed to how to be a good tenant and because of all the resources being pulled out of you know these neighborhoods I mean the kids they they walk around and they just all they have to all they have is dirt no grass um, on the lawns garbage all over the place I mean they they're the kids are living in slum and so when the child is not exposed to another way of living they're just gonna follow that same path it's gonna be a generational way of living how can they be exposed to another way of living when landlords and investors are taking all of the resources, all of the money out of the neighborhood and putting it into their neighborhoods. I mean, stores, you, I mean, I, I complained about this a lot. Um, I, I, you know, I had my daughter and we would, you know, take the kids for their birthdays, take them to the Hunted Trails or uh, Chuck E. Cheese and so forth. And those things, those restaurants were always in another neighborhood. And so we would go to somebody else's neighborhood to have our birthday parties because those type of restaurants or uh, playlands were not available in our neighborhood. However, what, 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 what? But if all the resources are being raped, you know, are being taken out of the neighborhood, then what do you expect? What do you expect? Now, poor people are known for being very resilient. And I'm not going to say this is about race. I'm going to say this is about poor, rich and poor. They're known for being very resilient, but they have to take a cardboard box and, and make a table or a couch out of it. That's not fair. That's not living. That's why Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation, we're working, um, we're working, we're working our best. We're doing everything we can to expose our members to another way of living, another way of thinking, to expose them to their rights, to expose them to what's expected of them. You can't just automatically assume that people know this when, when as a foster child, I went to eight different grammar schools as a foster child because my mom would would lose us and get us back, lose us and get us back, lose us and get us back. And so every time she got us back, we were, you know, in the poor neighborhoods. And the schools that I went to, I went to um, a school where they didn't even have books. 
they didn't even have books. So not only did they not have books, the the classrooms were very poor. Um, we had two grades in one classroom, so the seventh and eighth grades graders were in one classroom. The, the fifth and sixth graders were in one classroom. I mean, we were not exposed to anything, and I was like dumbfounded and shocked. So you can't just say that people automatically know how to live. Now, it, it was a blessing and a curse that I was in that foster home because I got exposed to other neighborhoods and other income limits. I got exposed to other ways to live and that prevented me from becoming um, a statistic. So I know that it's all about exposure. It's all about exposure. I don't disagree with what these landlords are saying. But I know that the reason why they're having these issues is because one, all of the resources are being pulled out of that neighborhood. Because I know these landlords don't live in that neighborhood. So they're pulling all of the resources out of that neighborhood. And two, the people there has not been exposed to anything else. I mean, what they have, they have matchbooks and, and, and matchsticks. You know, they have to make a, a table out of a matchstick and, and a couch out of a box. Come on, you guys. So I'll take one more answer. All right, so I'm going to take this last answer, and the question is, why do neighbor, why do landlords charge high rents in poor neighborhoods, right? And so this last answer is coming from one of the moderators in the eviction group and one of the contributors in the um, housing market after COVID-19, and he's also a landlord, and he's been a landlord since 2002. Hey, JM, how are you? Um, it says, rent is based on many factors. A, normal market value, as in return on your original investment. B, supply and demand, just like, say, gasoline. C, and risk factors. In poor neighborhoods, there is a much higher risk of someone not paying rent and even vandalizing the property because they're being evicted. These costs can easily double or triple the cost of rent in some areas. Well, you, you guys have heard, you know, this story. I mean, you've heard the same answer um, over and over about people vandalizing the property and um, people getting evicted. And so he's right. The normal market value, you know, one, but what? I said earlier, because, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, I don't want to disagree with him because I, but I have to tell you guys how I feel. How about that? I agree with everything he's saying, but A, normal market value. As I said earlier, most of these properties, they they get these tax breaks or, um, or they're, they're, they're getting them cheap. B, supply and demand, just like gasoline. That's what he said. Well, it is supply and demand because you're if you're in one of these neighborhoods and you grew up in this neighborhood and your whole life is in this neighborhood, then you're going to pay the rent that's available in your neighborhood 
that's the supply and demand you see right there. C, uh, and risk factors in poor neighborhoods, there may be a higher risk of someone not paying rent and even vandalize the property. And C, I spoke about C because yes, there's a chance that they're, they're not going to pay rent because the rent is so high, but them vandalizing the property because they're getting evicted. You know, you guys know, I don't agree with that. Because I don't want people to, to go backwards in their standard of living. I want people to go forward in their standard of living, move up and up and up. But that can only happen with exposure. And that's why in Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation, we make sure that each one of our members, when they want to get into one of our programs, eviction prevention, second chance rental, affordable home buying, they have to... Uh, take a tennis rights class that I created and there's a quiz, a knowledge-based quiz attached to that class. They have to take that class and pass that quiz with 100%. So this is not a, um, how smart you are. This is you understanding. Did you get these laws that I put out in these classes, right? So man, guys, mm. The thing is, <sighs> renters make up 37% of America, 37%. And that was not always the case, okay? However, in 2008, when the housing market crashed, the rental industry saw a boom. So as people were losing their properties, they became renters. So homeowners became renters. Of course, supply and demand. So there was a demand for rentals and the investors and in deep pockets, they started you know, buying all the properties up that were being lost and bam, there was you know, that market price there. However, in the poor neighborhoods, they saw that hike as well. So in 2009, they saw the rental price hike in the poor neighborhoods, okay? And it wasn't like that the poor, the people were owning the properties. Don't get me wrong. There were some owners that lost their properties in 2008. However, these people were already renting. And the homeowners that became renters they were used to paying a mortgage, okay? And so the investors, the deep, I call them deep pockets. The deep pockets knew that. It's all about supply and demand, you guys. It, it's just, however, I'll say this. Okay, that's the sad part, and that's what happened. But the rental industry machine started churning. So that's where we are. 37% of America rent. 37% of America rent. I'll say it again. 37% of America rent. Now this machine is going. So what happens when you have a machine that's, that's going? The machine has to, you have to tune that machine up. You have to maintenance that machine. You have to upgrade that machine. And if you don't tune it up and you don't do regular maintenance and you don't upgrade that machine, what happens? It bursts. It breaks. It gets destroyed. And that's what's happening in this rental industry. I've been telling people for the past two years, the pandemic only made 
the, the, the rental industry problem, the problems in the rental industry rise to the surface. That's what the pandemic did. It made it rise to the surface, but it was already happening. It was already happening. So this is my show, you guys. Um, I told you in the beginning of the show, you should subscribe to eviction. You subscribe to eviction. You'd be able to, um, see all of these answers. You'd be able to go in and ask questions yourself. There are a lot of landlords, uh, tenants, investors, uh, property managers, um, tenant right attorneys, uh, eviction attorneys. They're all here in this space. And so if you're having a problem, this is where you get to go and ask questions and try to figure and get the answers. And some of the these answers are mean, but you know, these are regular people because Quora is a peer-to-peer source of information. So subscribe to the eviction space. You got until March 31st to subscribe to the eviction space for $25 for an entire year or $2.99 a month. And then the housing market after COVID-19, that's really for investors and landlords for the most part. But you can subscribe to that space and ask questions and get all of the answers or look through the spaces and read all of the answers for the questions that were already asked. It's just a source of information, a great, great source of information. So that's my show. I'm the Apartment Lady. Follow me on LinkedIn, LaShondra Grace, the Apartment Lady on LinkedIn. And I'm out. Thank you, guys.